0: Hello, I'm Jeremy Allaire and welcome to The Money Movement, a show where we explore the issues and ideas driving this brave new world of digital currency and blockchains. A lot of our discussions on The Money Movement show have been about stablecoins themselves, the role of stablecoins um, how they function, how they fit in in a broader uh, global macro context, um, their their use in in other applications, um, but a lot of that has really been a focus on the, the idea of of digital dollar stablecoins as a payment system innovation, and and surely it is it represents a very significant breakthrough in how value can move around the internet, um, how you know traditional currencies can act as digital currencies and the speed, the utility, uh, the the security, all, all these things are are increasingly you know really well known and understood. And, and we're going to continue to focus on different dimensions that dimensions of that on the show. But I think when we look at stable coins, um, we also look at this bigger idea, this bigger idea that digital currency and these sort of fiat Denominated digital currencies are a base layer, uh, a, a kind of base layer that lots of other forms of innovation can be built on top of. And I like to describe this as, you know, money becoming a native data type on the internet, just like we have text and photos and videos. Uh, we're going to have digital money, and this native by uh, being a native data type on the internet. Um, That's very exciting and what makes that so compelling and what makes that so exciting is the programmability. Uh, One of the things that makes the internet so powerful is software, you know, creators can write code that interacts with all this content and data on a global basis. And that's allowed incredible breakthroughs that we all take for granted today. The programmability of digital dollars through the use of smart contracts on these blockchains is a, a kind of discontinuous level of innovation. And that's something that we haven't spent as much time on the money movement talking about um, and something that we're gonna dig into in, in a little bit more detail today. And so th- this leads us into this idea of programmable financial contracts. If there's a, a, an economic arrangement um, between an investor and a company, between businesses themselves, all of these are financial contracts. And in the world of finance, financial contracts are called securities. AKA digital securities. So today's topic, uh, we're gonna be exploring this and we're gonna be doing that with two guests who are really innovating in this space of digital securities. They're gonna be here uh, talking about what's happening in the here and the now of tokenized financial contracts. So to uh, kick this off, uh, we're joined here by uh, Securitize CEO and co-founder, Carlos Domingo, whose firm is at the forefront of enabling companies to issue digital securities. Welcome, Carlos. Hi, Jeremy, thanks for the invitation. Excellent, um, so, uh, so happy to have you here and, and on the show today. It's really great to see you, of course. Um, I want to you know, kind of start at a really high level um, and just sort of assume that the audience knows, knows very little. I, I've sort of described this idea of financial contracts or securities, and to some people, this is just mumbo jumbo. So maybe just first, for the audience, you know, what is a security? Um, h- how do you define a security?
1: Yeah, as you said, a, f- a security is a, is a financial contract, right? So, so it's something you can trade, uh, you can buy or sell, um, that basically gives you certain rights, uh, financial rights over an asset. And it could be equity in a company, it could be, you know, debt, uh, some yield generation uh, generating asset, uh, etc. So basically something you buy to profit from the benefit, you know, from the work of others. So, so when you buy shares of Apple, you don't work for Apple. Apple has their own employees and CEO, et cetera. But if Apple does well, you because you own a portion of Apple, then your investment appreciates uh, over time.
0: So the stocks and bonds are maybe the most… Stocks and bonds
1: that, uh, you know, all type of derivatives, uh, you know, royalty, payment uh, instruments, et cetera, these are all securities because these are basically financial instruments you buy. Yeah. And, and you you wait to profit from
0: someone else uh, you know doing something right I guess like a mortgage is a kind of security right it's a, it's a it's a form of debt and you enter into a contract uh, it's that's actually short. a good point so in, in the US
1: loans are not considered securities uh, it's a bit of a gray area but some people think
0: they're not uh, securities
1: some but if you package right. up a
0: bunch of loans as yes yeah, then it's, it's a- right so if, if I borrow money from
1: a bank I'm taking a loan I'm not, it's not a security but if I you know if the bank takes all these loans and then puts them on a you know under an instrument and then he sells shares to that instrument against the the yield of the of the uh, mortgages then that definitely is a security
0: right so yeah you know, i, I uh, you and i are both entrepreneurs and have started businesses and you know uh when, when i think about you know uh stock uh in my company what i think about is lawyers and uh, I think about uh, giant, long uh, uh, documents that are called a corporate constitution, and investor rights agreements, and uh, and, and share share stock purchase agreements, and you know, uh, lots and lots of phone calls and billable hours. And so today, uh, when I think about a, a, a security and what that is, it, it feels to me it's a, it's a lot like a, a, a giant pile of of paper contracts uh, and and a court system. <laughs> That, that enforces those. So, um, what you know, what is it that takes the securities and and, and makes them digital? Um, how, how do we go from my you know intuitive feel of what a stock is as an entrepreneur to a digital security?
1: So securities, uh, as you said, they they started being paper and paper certificates. That's how securities were issued since the first security at the beginning of the seventeenth century, um, and then. And they've they've been you know paper based for the most part of, of the existence. So until pretty much the '60s, uh, all securities were still paper based. Even publicly traded securities that were traded in New York Stock Exchange. So people used to actually you know to, to settle a trade, you actually have to physically move a paper from one broker into another broker. And that's how it, it was used to do. Um, and you know this obviously was not a very efficient uh, way of uh, of trading. And you know, stock exchanges in the U.S. used to close on Wednesdays uh, because they had to stop for a day in the middle of the week to be able to actually settle the trades because there were people, hundreds of people working for Merrill Lynch or mm-hmm. JP Morgan or whatever, running around Wall Street with bicycles and moving the, the stock certificates. So that's how they were done back then. And obviously that system collapsed uh, towards the, the late 60s. There was um, what is refers to the paper crisis in Wall Street, where at some point in time, the, the volume uh of daily securities trade they went from like 5 million to 15 million and then obviously they couldn't settle things anymore because there was not enough people to move the paper around so at that point in time uh securities started to become uh electronic um and then the us is well known that uh there was a creation of a central entity called uh dtc uh which is a central depository like they existed in, in europe before uh where all these paper certificates were held and then they had a computer, because there were computers already there in the 70s, where they actually keep like a ledger of who actually uh, was the actual beneficial owner of those physical securities that were held at a vault uh, by DTC. So that was kind of like the first step towards Digital securities, you on because you start yeah. being able to have an like
0: ledger. uh, Swift was the first kind of electronic money, which is essentially like a correct Swift red- is a good example of exactly yeah. the same thing. So,
1: Swift yeah. is, a, is a ledger that allows you to trade money electronically without having to physically put right. the, the money. So, it kind of is the same thing early, so,
0: early digital
1: forms of uh, money. Uh, and, and, I would say, yeah, more than digital, it was probably electronic yeah, exactly. <laughs> as opposed to digital. If you, right. if you think of electronic at a much more uh, yes. simpler, a very static way of doing things. and digital as something native digital that mm-hmm. exists only in zero and mm-hmm. ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Because at, the, at that time, they, the paper certificates still uh, existed. They just have what's called a book entry security, which was basically a, uh, an electronic representation of, of the security. Right. And that, you know, for the most part, all publicly traded securities in U.S. Yep. Europe major markets are digital today. They're already digital securities today. You know, for, for you and I, the stock in our companies paper based. Uh, but the, the stock of Apple, when you go to Robinhood and trade, is, is a pretty digital experience, right? You go there and you trade and yeah. you just don't know what happens behind the scenes.
0: A lot of this is sort of the record of who owns the security, but obviously part of what makes securities interesting is they have features. So uh, you know, the feature of an equity is uh, it includes uh, the right to vote, uh, certainly on, on certain defined matters. Uh, it, it entitles you potentially to uh, to to dividends, uh, to, to sort of liquidation rights or wh- whatever those features are. The security has features and those features are expressed in in English language, typically or whatever language. But but they're sort of they're, those are um, those are important parts of the security as well. And, and you know, um, maybe talk a little bit of uh, about how um, you know, we're moving into tokenized securities, which parts of the security. Are, are becoming truly digital uh, today. So, let's let's go back for a second. So, so public securities, for the most part,
1: they're digitized. They don't, you know, the, the features of the securities are not properly digitized. Like if you want to pay a dividend today for a publicly traded company, it's still a process that takes, you know, 15 days because yeah. there is no single ledger that contains the, the beneficial owners of the security. But right. the world of private securities, which is actually much bigger than the world of, of, of public securities, that is actually you know very poorly digitized or not digitized at all um, and then those securities actually have more features as you said because besides the, the rights uh, which is part of the features of the security they also have a, a very complex regulatory situation because they are not freely tradable uh, so they have rights of refusal they have uh, local periods uh, you know they have uh, all the type of uh, restrictions um, so tokenized securities is basically a way to digitize securities you know because it's a digital representation that happens on a distributed ledger, like a public blockchain, uh, and they're represented as a token with the additional benefit that then this token is governed by a set of smart contracts and those smart contracts uh, are kind of like, enforce the programmability of the the features, as you said, of the the security. And I think that's what's revolutionary of this way of digitizing securities.
0: Yeah, so, so Securitize, you've created a platform where a company can take an existing asset like, stock and, and, and create a, a digital representation of it, but also create a, a, new, uh, a new security that is, is natively digital as well and, and issue that uh, to investors and then provide all of the infrastructure to actually manage that and the life cycle of that on a blockchain.
1: That's correct. So basically, I mean, companies digitizing securities is not something new. I mean, if you think about probably the biggest one in the world is Carta, and has been digitizing securities for the startups. I think that the main difference of what we do is that we use blockchain technology as a way to digitize the security where we will include all the programmability of the security, all the features, all the rights, uh, et cetera, and enforce the, the compliance uh, rules of the security with the smart contracts on the blockchain. Uh, and that's exactly what we do. Obviously, there is a component of our platform that is off-chain in terms of investor onboarding and, you know, dealing with uh, uh, setting up the features, etc., but then the actual security and the, and the beneficial ownership are tracked on the on the blockchain as tokens.
0: So, so they're sort of moving uh, the, the actual record, the ability to possess and pass ownership, some of the kind of fundamental rights, all those things are sort of moving into smart contracts um, and executable uh, on blockchains.
1: Correct. They're executable. They're traceable. I mean, you have the, you know, you know, securities have rules. like for instance in your, in your company, my company, there is a number of security that has been approved by the board and you cannot actually issue more than those, right? So people actually don't know and there's been instances where people have issued more securities than the ones that are authorized. On the blockchain, you can actually prevent those things to happen because you can control Uh, you know, how many tokens are being issued and enforce those compliance with uh, smart contracts. And you can actually trace the the history to make sure there's nothing illegal that has happened, right? So it's a better way to digitize securities. It's a a much more interesting one. And I'm sure the next question is going to be about, uh, you know, stable coins, which makes it even much more interesting uh, about the type of things you can do with both instruments on the same ledger.
0: Yeah, so I want to get to that because it's obviously a core theme of of this episode, but just... um... You know, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with, you know, I, I have, I have stock in a company or I have a bond of some sort or, or some yield instrument. Um, what about, you know, the sort of tokenization of other assets and creating new digital securities that unlock the ability to invest in, trade, access uh, the, the underlying physical asset? There's been a lot of talk about tokenization of property, Uh, and actually we have a guest coming up in in a few minutes here that's going to talk about, uh, you know, tokenization digital securities in in the real estate market. But is that is you know, is is, is that something that is uh, fundamentally new? Are we going to be able to unlock access to um, uh, forms of assets by individuals around the world that haven't been able to participate in those or create new ways for people to securitize uh, value that they might possess? I think securitization is not new. It's something that has existed uh, in, in the past. I think that the,
1: when you make it digital, uh, you make it you know, more accessible. It, you know It's easier for people to, uh, to purchase it, to trade it, uh, to receive dividends. Uh, like The whole management and asset serving service component of, uh, of a security becomes uh, much easier. The, 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 what I like to think about it is, if you think about music, when music got digitized at the beginning, we went from having LPs to having CDs, right? And CDs was a, you know, a digital version of an LP. But for the most part, the experience for a while was the same, right? You were still buying something physical. You will still go to like Virgin Megastore. You will still purchasing 12 songs from an artist right. with an album. And then the, the moment it became digital, then people started thinking about all the things that you could do you couldn't do before. Like, well, let's just strip out all these uh, you know songs from all the CDs and put them all in a, in a mini hard disk, which was the iPod. or let's just buy one single song instead of the entire album. And yeah. they're then not even on the music and just stream the music. So, so the way I think of this is the same, right? So yes, securitization existed. Yes, digital securities or, or elect- electronic securities have existed. The moment you make them natively digital on a new, much more powered platform, then there are going to be new use cases that no one can think of uh, that will appear uh, in the future. So it's so yeah. kind of first on the, on the first wave of just let's digitize something, then let's figure out something else.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we've heard really interesting ideas. We've heard, uh, you know, I, I've had a conversation with a firm that's taking a, a, a incredibly popular cartoon character in Asia and creating a, a, a tokenized digital security of the future royalty streams of that cartoon character that they're going to allow people to, uh, you know, Invest in and own, and you know that that wouldn't have been possible um, until until this kind of technology, sure. at least in a seamless way. Um, so let's let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, stable coins and digital securities. So um, I like to think of these as sort of hand in glove. Uh, you know, if if you if you have a security, you need to be able to put money into it, and you need to be able to get money out of it, and if you're doing it on a blockchain, uh, a stable value, you know, digital dollar or something like USDC is, is potentially really powerful. How do stable coins play a role in what you're doing today? And, and, and what do you think that enables?
1: So if you think about traditional finance, so as we said, there, there's securities that are already digital, right? And there is money that is already digital. Um, I think the, the very powerful idea about having, you know, tokenized securities on a blockchain and having, you know, cash on chain as well, represented by a stable coin as a token, is that for the first time in in the history of uh, capital markets, you suddenly have two things that traditionally have been two separate entities being tracked in separate ledgers that are suddenly on the the same place and kind of blurs the boundaries between the two and will allow us to do things that were not possible before. So um, if you think about, as you mentioned, the process of purchasing a security, it's kind of a disjointed process, right? You have the security. Somewhere, someone has a ledger saying you want that security and you're gonna sell it to someone else. Someone has to update that ledger saying that, you know, the security moved from Jeremy to Carlos. At the same time, Carlos has to pay Jeremy. So there's another ledger that contains the cash in a bank account that needs to be sent to another bank account and to make sure that these things actually cross and, you know, settle, I receive my security, you receive your cash. Is a very com- complicated thing uh, that has a lot of intermediaries and it sometimes takes days to do it. And uh, you know, the settlement of uh, public securities still takes two days for private securities could take weeks, etc. So the very powerful idea about stable coins and security tokens is the fact that they are both represented with the same type of technology, let's say you know, assets in Algorand or ERC20 and Ethereum, etc., and within the same ledger. And then you can on top of that use the ability of the blockchain to do atomic swaps and make sure. Yeah. You can just swap one by the other, right? And if you add on top of that, you know, programmability for regulation, so you can enforce the, the, the compliance of the trade, then you suddenly have something extremely powerful. You can trade private securities instantly without counterparty risk, you know, which is something that doesn't exist. It's just the first time in history that has been uh, enabled.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and like a, a smart contract that represents a, uh, you know, like a bond, right, a, a corporation that says, hey, send us dollars, you're gonna get this, the, you know, the promise of a return over time. The dollars come in through the smart contract, they go into the corporate treasury of the company as a stable coin. When time is due, they can return capital through a stable coin out through the smart contract to the token holder, and the token holder receives it as, as something like USDC. And so all of that can actually be automated, it can all be done on chain, it can all be done very inexpensively. And so the security itself in your world is this, uh, it, it, it's, it, it actually is providing the mechanism of how value comes in and out.
1: That's, that's true, so bonds is a great example. People don't realize about the complexity that is behind the scenes for actually paying you know, a, a bond, right, like the coupon of a bond. Right. Because you're the issuer. let's say you're a large corporation and your treasury department issues a bond, and you typically will you know, give it to a broker dealer that will give it to a bunch of uh, investors. And then, you know, you as the issuer will have to find an issuer and paying an agent that will actually issue the security, typically on a central depository like DTC. And then those investors will give it to their custodians, which they also have accounts with DTC. And then when you have to pay the bond, totally. that is like a convoluted, you know, things going around until, you know, the money finds the investor and the issuer that has no idea who the investor. is. like the beauty of, you know, blockchain-based securities and stable coins is that first, there's a ledger that contains the beneficial owners. So they are all tracking real time if there's trading happening. That's the first important thing. And the second one is that you can just disperse the money automatically making sure it arrives to the right people at the right time and the right amount without you having to know actually who holds the securities but without having to use any intermediaries to achieve that. Yeah. And that's very powerful because it eliminates you know, the, the cost of the intermediaries, but it also reduces the time it takes for you know, coupons or dividends to reach yeah. people, which means investors have more money to reinvest somewhere else. Yeah.
0: So, you just announced a a, a, a use case that I thought was really powerful, and, and I think we've we've got something going up on, on our site talking about it today, which is this. Uh, I think it's you know paying dividends in stablecoins, um, and and one of your one of your clients uh, did that. You want to talk about that for a moment?
1: Yeah. So so we we've started having customers that have issued digital securities that want to leverage the advantages of of the digital securities. So so this was kind of like the first time we actually did the dividend payout. So we gave people. The option of re- of using the wallet that has been registered with us and contains the securities to receive payments in stable coins. We actually use USDC or or just you know register a bank account and then do they pay out. And the payout. And the interesting thing is that sixty percent of the people opted for getting the money in USDC, mm-hmm. which for us is great because it's, it's cheaper for everybody, is faster, uh, is more accurate, uh, and there's less manual process uh, involved. So I hope to see more like. 100% native, you know, issuances and, and, and payouts that are all done uh, with, uh, you know, stable coins and, and digital securities, because that's definitely the, the future to eliminate friction and, and cost. Well, one thing people don't realize is that publicly traded companies, when they pay dividends, it more or less takes uh, 15 days for you yeah. to actually receive the dividend in your account. And that time, the money is basically sitting in the bank account, typically of the transfer agent, accruing value for the transfer agent. When that money should belong to the, to the investors. So, yeah. so I think that's a, something that we should all aspire to eliminate and, and give the money to the people that uh, have actually purchased the security and deserve the money and get it uh, in their hands as soon as possible.
0: That's awesome. It's very, very cool. Um, just may, maybe kind of, you you're stepping back a little bit, you, you've been um, you know, working on this problem space for a while. Um, and, and in some ways, you know, we sort of can look at all of this, uh, you know, stable coins, digital securities, this is sort of like a, what I like to think of as a market infrastructure journey, um, <laughs> you know, and and you know we're, we're we're making progress sort of you know month on month, year on year. Kind of where do you think we are in that market infrastructure journey uh, in in this you know moving into um, you know from early adopters into uh, crossing the chasm uh, in, mm-hmm. in, into mainstream usage.
1: So yeah, I started looking at this problem around March 2017, um, before we actually funded Securitize. We we, tokenized, we wanted to tokenize our own venture capital firm and issue a digital security on the blockchain uh, as a token. Um, and at that time, I can tell you, it was a drama. So first, people didn't understand what tokens were, and there was also all the craziness with the ICOs, and people thought that everything that is a token has to be scam and illegal, even if what we were doing were securities. Stable coins were not, uh, as popular as well integrated with infrastructure as today, the user experience of using or using wallets on the blockchain was terrible. We didn't have qualified custodians that could actually hold securities. Uh, there was, you know, a lot of um, you know uncertainty in terms of what the regulators thought about the space. There were no blockchain-based transfer agents. Uh, you know, there was nothing initially. So this was a really
0: Okay, starting it's something vast, actually. You think about that from, from there to there. I mean, in, in, the, in, in terms of like financial market infrastructure and in, in seeing all that happen in just a couple of years is pretty amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's been three years, I'll say. And, uh, and yes, if, we, if,
1: if I think where we are today, it's kind of frustrating because I thought that we would be farther along. But at the same time, if I go back in time and look at it's been only three years, yeah. and I will say maybe 70% of the problems are solved. Uh, I think it's pretty remarkable, um, and I think there is a couple of more things that need to be kind of like fixed for this really to take off and to be kind of like the, the preferred way of people to basically issue securities. Because there's no downside to do it, and there is a lot of advantages. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been sort of in a parallel journey, and um, and obviously we're 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 seeing we're seeing you know, things really kick into gear with this infrastructure now. You know I, I think one of the things that I, I love about what you guys are doing and and I, I've sort of sort of seen the the scope of the product and I think implicit in it is a vision for you know digital corporations and what does it mean to actually run a digitally native corporation and have more and more of what you do manage on chain you know what is your vision there do, do you think you know as we as we look out over time do more and more of the machinations of corporations through the combination of things like you know, uh, digital securities, stablecoin infrastructure, blockchains, does does more and more of what a corporation is move on-chain?
1: So if I think about, you know, the first time I was a CEO, I was uh, 29 years old and it was late 90s, and at that time, managing a a startup was a bit of a drama because you didn't have uh, tools to actually manage the company digitally, right? We didn't have any paperwork manually we didn't have uh, you know good communication uh, methods we didn't have good uh, accounting systems and erps and uh, things like that so so fast forward now now when i started securitize it is amazing how many tools are for managing your corporation digitally right. but there is a a percentage of the things there that are still not fully digital, like the way we manage cash from companies, yeah. it is not digital. And for us, an it's nightmare. We have multiple bank accounts for different yeah. purposes that yeah. need to be reconciled, uh, etc. So that's one thing. Obviously, you can you can manage your securities digitally. So you can just get something from La like Carta, but that only solves part of the problem because yeah. it doesn't actually allow for trading. It doesn't allow for uh, you know, as it's servicing and some of the things that, uh, that securities is uh, doing in a, simple, in a simple way and it's not integrated with, with the ecosystem of other tools that are happening on, on the blockchain. And then, as you mentioned, governance, it is kind of like the next step. I think we're already building it governance tools for securities, but for the entire company and this promise of like this DAOs that will allow people to manage their, their companies on the blockchain is probably a few years away, but it's definitely where, you know, towards the direction we're going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's exciting. And as you said earlier, uh, you know, when, when some of these innovations happened, like digital music or whatever, like no one could really even imagine all the things that people would do. And, and I think it's definitely a space where there's a bunch of converging things happening of, 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 and capabilities and entrepreneurs are going to go build amazing. I things. think, yeah, I think that the issue with,
1: with uh, digital securities as opposed to, uh, of digital music is that, you know, digital music is some. Unregulated uh, market, and um, if you, I don't know, when Spotify started, I remember, they were doing peer-to-peer yeah. transfer.
0: It was regulated by four companies, basically, originally. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> self-regulated, if you want, but I remember, you probably remember, because you were working on video streaming at that time, but when Spotify started, they were doing peer-to-peer streaming because there was no good streaming infrastructure, and that worked better than centralized streaming, but it didn't work very well, and half of the time when you used Spotify, you couldn't actually get the song. Yeah. And you know, it's not, it's not a major drama, right? But—but. But for us yeah. working on, on financial services, you know, if your your USDC doesn't work and you can't pay, or if, you, yeah. if your securities uh, disappear because you've done it correctly or things like that, this this actually has a big financial impact and yeah. and it's a highly regulated market. And I think higher this is stakes.
0: One of those, yeah. Higher Yeah, stakes.
1: it's higher stake. So, but this is also why it's taking longer for these things to adopt. Like right? for for us in the technology industry, you, uh, I'm sure you've seen hundred times this typical presentation from consultants saying, "Oh, every single." new innovation gets adopted faster. Well, this one is not yeah. because this one has an implication in the a little,
0: world. A little more friction there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it will take a little bit longer. But you know, the same way that FinTech has penetrated other uh, parts of the financial services industry, I'm 100% convinced it will penetrate uh, you know, securities and capital markets and, and it will completely transform them.
0: That's awesome. Carlos, um, really great to chat with you and get your perspective. I uh, want to thank you again and, and uh, of course, hope to see you very soon. Well, thanks for the invitation and keep up with the good work at Circle. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, bye-bye. Absolutely. Well, so I think um, you know, this has all really gone from the abstract and high-level ideas a few years ago into really exciting live projects, rapidly evolving technology. And with that in mind, I'm really excited about our next guest who's an entrepreneur who's leveraging tokenization, leveraging stable coins, leveraging digital securities to solve a very large challenge in the market. And so I'm, I'm excited to welcome uh, Michael Carpentier, who's CEO and co-founder of startup Vesta Equity, a firm that's building a marketplace for tokenized home equity, making residential real estate more liquid, creating new investment opportunities that remove the intermediaries, uh, that often introduce cost and friction into real estate finance. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, that was well said. I couldn't have said that better myself. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, it's great to have you on here. I've, I've been excited to learn about um, you know, what you're working on, the vision, uh, and what you're driving against. Maybe um, it, would be, it would be great to just kick this off with a little bit of background uh, on yourself. What, you, what brought you to this space and this idea of tokenized assets, digital securities in, in this particular market?
2: I've got, I've got about 25 years senior level experience building digital companies. So I've never been actually on the finance side or the real estate side before, but a couple of years ago, I picked up a book that uh, you could say changed my life. It was a book written by Don Tapscott called the blockchain revolution. I was uh, absolutely hooked after that and I immersed myself in blockchain. I read every book I can get my hand on every white paper, took seminars, webinars, did some courses at MIT, got my professional designation, and then started really taking a hard look at where could this be applied? What would be the best use case scenarios? And I settled on the home equity side of the equation. Took a look at it, found there were a lot of inequities in that space, and decided there could be a great opportunity here um, in terms of building out a business that, as you said, would provide liquidity in a market that is otherwise very illiquid. And uh, has, you know, a lot of elements to it that are essentially not fair to the homeowner and certainly create barriers for investors to get involved in as well.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, I also did not come from the financial industry and, and had, you know, been in, yeah. in internet technology businesses and you know, similarly really drawn in um, and, and figure like, this is a time when, when, uh, you know, entrepreneurs can, can really change yeah how things work in the financial system. So, you know, this, this theme that we just heard about and talking with Carlos, yeah. digital securities, um, you know, this idea of tokenization. Um, so I, I guess in, in, in your use case, um, you know, home equity uh, has been, you know, typically something where liquidity has been challenging and average investors can't easily participate. Um, how, how, how will digital securities unlock that in, in your model? Well,
2: essentially what we're doing is we're we're building out from a technological, regulatory, legal uh, perspective, the marketplace to allow homeowners to tokenize their home Um, and in creating the marketplace to allow investors to come in and buy a percentage of that home. Um, Sounds simple, um, but the technology behind it is obviously complicated. Um, Right now, if you're a homeowner, um, there's only two ways for you to access the equity. You sell the home outright or you take a loan against it. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a fair scenario. We uh, sort of say it's similar to having $100,000 in your wallet and being told you can only access the cash in your wallet if you pull all of it out or you take a loan against it. If you mm-hmm. had that, most people would say that's not equitable, I'm not going to do that, you're out of your mind. That's the exact situation that homeowners face. Mm-hmm. So by allowing the tokenization process, we're allowing them to access their their home like a wallet. And for many people, the home is their largest asset. If you take a look at the data in the US alone, the average 55 to 75 year old only has five to $16,000 in savings. Sounds scary, right. um, it is, and for many of them, that home is their biggest asset and they should be allowed to access it easily without any financial encumbrances or any other issues in and around that because it is their cash.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, so you know, it's, it sounds like you know this tokenization of the home equity uh, would, would allow to kind of like dial that up and down more flexibly to have you yeah. know, sort of smaller chunks of your home equity, you know, sold or made available um, uh, much more frictionlessly. Yeah, that's exactly it. So what, um, you know, where do stable coins play a role here? Um, how, do, how are stable coins going to bring value to the platform you're building? You know, how, how do you see their role, uh, not just in your, your marketplace that you're building, but in this realm of digital securities?
2: Well, from our perspective, first, it provides us a frictionless, timely, stable, programmable and secure transaction with virtually no intermediary involved and those costs associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stablecoin allows us to execute our business in, in, in a much more simple manner. Um, other cryptocurrencies would let us do that because there's the volatility aspect of other cryptocurrencies like uh, a Bitcoin or something like that. Sure. Um, so we needed that stability. Um, and I think that holds true for... Other securities, I mean, Bitcoin plays its role and it has its role and there's a reason why there's there's volatility in that particular cryptocurrency, but most securities can't add that volatility into the situation and they, they need something that's sta- uh, scalable and that's what a stable coin offers us in this, in this particular model.
0: So I guess in your model, this tokenized home equity, people can in- invest they can put in the investment using USDC yep. uh, and, and then the, the homeowner is actually receiving the capital in USDC and all that can happen kind of nearly instantly on chain, yeah. you know, r- running, running over the Internet.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the homeowner can make the decision to keep their, their holdings in USDC and potentially also become an investor on the platform. Yeah. And for the investor, the property investor, they'll obviously keep their their their, uh, their funds in USDC and be able to continue to invest in other properties if they want to, mm-hmm. or they can trade out and uh, exchange it for other cryptocurrencies if they want to, or change exchange it back to fiat currency, which is US dollars in this case.
0: Right, and uh, absolutely, and we we see that sort of seamless movement between kind of existing electronic money and, and pure digital currency and so on and, and make making that smooth and frictionless for businesses like yours is obviously something yeah. that we're really focused on. Um, so I, you know, I know that you're looking at this as a, a you know, this sort of homeowners um, investors in, in real estate equity. This is a, a place where there's a lot of value. Um, I'm guessing given the journey you described and, and taking an interest in, in, in tokenization, I'm, I'm assuming you've considered how this approach could be applied to other markets. You know, where else will this play out? What other um, market well, segments, industries, is this gonna happen? And, and maybe you could share some of those ideas for right. it's, entrepreneurs, a, it's a, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's, it's a good question. I mean, anything can be tokenized and proof of that is CryptoKitties. I don't know if you've heard of that or not. Of but course. absolutely. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the, uh, the royalties on on the, uh, the anime uh, out of Japan, the anime yes. uh, product out of Japan. So, I mean, the first thing you have to ask yourself, is there a viable business model behind it before you say you're going to tokenize something? And, and are you solving a real pain point? Um, because Essentially, you're just tokenizing someone for the sake of tokenizing. But obviously, obvious areas are collectibles. Um, for example, art. There's a great company out of Europe called uh, Mycenae's, which allows you to build a portfolio of what they call masterpiece artwork using tokens. Mm-hmm. Things like rare coins, baseball cards, antiques, mm-hmm. and more can be tokenized. Um inherent in that are obviously complications. How do you authenticate it's the real thing? It's it's sure. a genuine article. And then the other issue have, you have know, in around something like that is a security, uh, security because it can basically be picked up and taken and moved somewhere. So how do you ensure that it's not being you know absconded with or taken taken away?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um so those things can be solved through technology. Sure, um, can't like prioritize the- uh yeah.
0: <laughs> providing platforms <laughs> for
2: that. Yeah. Exactly. You can't pick up a home and move it unless it's on wheels. <laughs> so right we don't really have to worry about the home, but there are issues in around around the home that we have to, uh, to obviously uh, to ensure that the home is, is is not being used for any illicit, uh, illicit uh, issues or things like that. But there's other great examples. Um, QB, which is a company out of Europe, has actually tokenized loyalty programs and taken the loyalty points and tokenized those. So that's a great example of something else being tokenized. Mm-hmm. And There's another great company called uh, Brave, which is a blockchain-based browser and they have tokenized uh, your attention, essentially your time. And they give you a coin called basic. And uh, you basically you basically get paid uh, for uh, allowing ads to target you and allowing them to use your your data. So that's something that right there is being tokenized that's uh, essentially just time.
0: Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's fascinating. Props is another uh, uh, gotcha. token tokenized uh, kind of loyalty model that is sort of being utilized in, in games and other things. A lot yeah. of interesting stuff. So, in your in your uh, in your uh, Vesta Equity case, um, you know, how quickly do you think, you know, this marketplace grows? Um, you know, uh, what's the total what's the total market size? You know, you know, what, what do you think yeah. starts to participate in this and and over what time frame?
2: Total market size in the U.S. is pretty significant. It's about three and a half trillion dollars every year. Of property that's financed that's solely residential property. Um, how fast will it take off? Um, I think in certain markets, it will take off quicker than other markets where they tend to be a little more advanced when it comes to their use of technology and understanding of technology. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna make a major issue of the fact that we are using blockchain or tokenization and stuff with the average consumer, because I think it will just yeah. elevate the, the discussion to a level that's not necessary at this point. Um, I think that in the next three years, we'll see a lot of early adopters and innovators take this on. We're already starting to see big commercial project, projects being tokenized. There's a great company out of Europe again called MADA that's tokenizing big, big residential property uh, projects and big commercial properties mm-hmm. uh, and tokenizing those and selling off shares of those specific properties to, to uh, investors. So we're starting to see it in the real estate space already. Mm-hmm. Um, with regard to this, I think within three years, we'll see some significant uptake and uh, we'll move into, you know, that early majority of people that uh, want to target it. I mean, one of the things we're, we're moving into is people understand there's, there's a need for this. People are getting home equity loans. They're getting reverse mortgages. They're just unfortunately getting very unfair deals from the perspective of the banks. And this is something that's far more equitable for them because they're not actually ending up with a mortgage compounding interest and monthly payments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a homeowner, I, uh, have a great deal of, uh, of, of empathy and, and, and think what you're doing is, is fantastic. Um, Well, well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us and obviously good luck with the upcoming launch. Thank you very much. You take care. All right. So, you know, just in in summary here, tokenized assets, uh, digital securities, introducing more frictionless forms of finance and commerce, uh, you know, sort of stable coins role in that, stable coins with programmable money. As you're hearing here, we're still sort of in the first inning with some of this but these are things that we're gonna be tracking very closely here on the money movement as we go forward. Speaking of the money movement, uh, next week is going to be a really exciting episode. We're gonna be talking about USDC at 1 billion. Uh, Actually today, USDC crossed 1.3 billion and USDC has become the fastest growing stablecoin in history, uh, seeing nearly 200% growth over the past six months alone and becoming a de facto standard as a trusted, compliant digital dollar format and protocol for payments on blockchains. So to reflect on all this and also share some really exciting news about the next chapters for USDC, we're gonna be joined by two of the top product executives from Circle and Coinbase who have been responsible for the development, launch, and growth of USDC. Joining us will be VP of product at Circle, Joao Reginato, and group product manager at Coinbase, uh, Nemo Dalal, with reflections and visions on the future of USDC. If you're in the broader crypto ecosystem, you're not going to want to miss this episode. We're going to have some nice surprises. So until next time, stay well, stay safe, and stay informed.